welcome back to another episode of Laser Graves. I am your co-host, E.K. Wimmer. Hi, E.K. I'm Mariah Rose. Oh, how are you doing? I'm well. I've decided to not come up with silly nicknames for you, and I feel like a weight has been lifted off my shoulders. Otherwise, it's crazy hot here in our state, and I am in the devil's butt crack of heat. What oh, about you? Oh my, okay. The devil's butt crack. Yeah. Better than the devil's armpit? Uh, I don't know that it's better, but it's deeper. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I'm pretty good. Well, welcome, everybody, for joining us. If this is your first time, this is a podcast about the 80s. If you're coming back, then you're learning about the depths of the devil's butt crack yep. with us. Yeah, it's in New Mexico. <laughs> welcome. <laughs> um, I'm doing pretty good. I'm also really overwhelmed by this heat right now. It was... Upper 90s yesterday. I kind of didn't want to reveal that it's only in the like low to mid 90s because we're big babies about the heat. And when people hear we live in New Mexico, they're like, oh, yeah, so it's real hot like Arizona because it's our neighbor. But it's really not. We're pretty high up in elevation. And when we moved from Wyoming, we didn't really notice much of a difference temperature wise. But we're huge babies about the heat. When it's 97 degrees out and you're under the sun, it's hot. Okay. That's not being a baby. That's just being a human. I know. But it's sort of like when we lived north and it was, you know, two degrees. And the people who had lived in that area their whole life, they're like, this is nothing. I remember when it was negative 700. Yeah, that's true. Yeah. I guess my my feelings about this is... If the extreme heat doesn't bother you, that's good for you. But that doesn't make it not hot. It's true. It's crazy hot. You're just choosing to say it doesn't bother you. I saw a guy walking yesterday afternoon wearing a tracksuit. Uh, with the hood dumb. up. It's the equivalent in the north where we come from, yeah. where it was always people wearing like winter coats with um, sandals on and no, no socks on. Yeah, exactly. Really weird. Like they just refuse to accept the weather around them. Okay. Maybe that's just human nature. Well, I had an interesting, before we even get started, I'll share a little story. Yesterday, I was feeling, I was in one of those moods to do some work around the house. You know, I thought, oh, I'm yeah. going to take this day off and really get a lot done. And I needed to change the pads on our swamp cooler, which is our outdoor forced air unit, because we don't have central air. Which we will remedy before next summer. <laughs> yeah, we'll fix that, especially after the story I'm about to tell. But we have to change these pads out because they get all funky and then that doesn't work as well. So I went out there and I thought, okay, this is great. I'm being proactive and doing work. Yeah. I changed the three pads and I went to put the final side panel on and it wasn't fitting. And I was having to push this little uh, piece of chain that holds the whole entire unit unit up on the side of the house. Yeah. I was unaware that all of the weight is supported by these two chains, but as I was up there on the ladder working with this giant panel in my hands, one of the chains snapped and the whole entire AC unit started sliding towards me and I grabbed it really fast with one hand. We should also clarify that these are not lightweight things. Like it's Oh no, heavy. these are huge. Yeah. So I'm holding it with one hand on the ladder. Then... Uh, what happens is the bottom of the AC unit is filled with tons of water because that's what goes through the pump to, mm -hmm. to get these pads wet. So, of course, as it angles downward, all the water pours out the side over me like, you know, an episode of Wipeout 
or, you know, yeah. uh, Double Dare. And I'm just being covered in water, but holding it, this whole unit up. Did it cool you down? It did cool me. It cooled my pants down, for oh, sure. So it looks like you wet your pants. <laughs> it just looks like I was up there peeing myself. <laughs> and I'm holding it. I managed to, like, get all the water drained enough to be able to push this thing back up. And then spent the rest of the afternoon. Uh, I had to use my my car jack, the tire jack, to try and raise up a piece of wood that I had to support it, run to the store a couple times to grab supplies, but... Very industrious. It's all said and done. All It's actually working better than ever now because I also resealed all of the vent spots so that the air's uh, flowing better. So long story short, I did all of this. Maybe and it got was, heat stroke. It was 97 degrees out. And the sun was directly above me the whole time. And yeah, I think I, I definitely got heat exhaustion. We'll say that. While you were working, I was inside because you didn't want any help. And I was inside with our our youngest. And I got really hot. And I was like, boy, I'm uncomfortably hot. And I realized I couldn't complain to you because <laughs> you were outside. And I was kind of bummed. <laughs> I'm glad I got it fixed. There was definitely a, a brief moment there when it was sliding towards me and I was holding it up, letting the water drain out that I, I thought, well, if I didn't catch this, it could just keep sliding, rip off the side of the wall and, and crush me. So there was a definitely a worst case scenario that didn't happen. I'm real glad you survived. Yeah, me too. I'm here to record today. Here we we are. were a little concerned we weren't going to be able to get the episode done. Yeah. But this is the commitment that we have made to our listeners. Yeah, we are committed to you. Yeah. Except I, for the six months we took off. <laughs> I, yeah, except for that. I only cut my finger. Oh, I cut my arm too. It's funny after you do something like that and then you take a shower and then you discover where all the cuts are because the water like oh. <laughs> makes all the spots sting. And you go, oh, I'm cut over there, too. Well, we should also clarify that you shower in lemon juice. It's true. Yeah. It's what I do. Yeah. It's my guy. edge. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> okay, everybody. Well, that's, that's what was going on with us this weekend. We watched a really fun one um, to, to discuss today. It was a first time watch for you, correct? Yes, absolutely. A first timer. And it's a second time watch for me, but I didn't really remember a lot of it. I got it confused with another film, which we'll discuss in a second, but I still knew I really liked it because uh, the first time I watched it, it stood out. We are discussing the 1986 sorority slasher Killer Party. Mm-hmm. I wonder what Mrs. Henshaw is going to do now. Go to me. <laughs> Everybody else is 
Okay, Killer Party. So I got this one confused at first with another film called Rush Week, which is also super cool. Interesting. I got it confused with Rush to Die. Ooh, Rush to Die is probably one of the best sorority slashers out there. If you can't get your hands on it, you should probably go listen to our episode on it. Yeah, we're probably the only people that own a copy, so good luck, suckers. (laughs) But it's one of our best episodes. And one of the best movies ever made. Yep. So... Killer Party, I remember the beginning really clear, which we'll talk about, because it's just kind of bonkers the way it starts. Mm -hmm. But then after that, when it kind of got into the film, I I was thinking like, wait, this isn't... What's happening? This isn't the film I remember at all. And that's when I realized I was thinking of Rush Week. And then I got a little worried because you picked the movie out and I was Mm -hmm. like, oh, good choice, good choice, that I was thinking the wrong film, only to discover you did make a good choice because this film is also super awesome. Okay. So, Killer Party, your first time watching it, uh, we're not walking through, but we definitely have to talk about certain elements because it's pretty crazy. It was directed by William Fruitt, who did Funeral Home, Spasms, Blue Monkey. I mean, he's been around for a really long time. It was written by, well, the screenplay, I should say, was written by Barney Cohen, who had just done Friday 4, the final chapter, which is one of my favorite ones. Mm Mm-hmm. And it was a straightforward slasher originally, but William, the director, didn't really like that. And he wanted it to be more of a horror comedy. So all of this kind of porky style um, elements that are in there, Animal House kind of thing, Mm -hmm. that's all later edition. It was supposed to be a straight horror. Oh, they added it to like juice it up? Yeah, to make it a little bit more fun and campy and not so serious. Okay. I don't know what my feelings are on that. Well, it feels like two different movies are happening at the same time. It definitely does suffer from that. Not necessarily a bad thing, but it's a little confusing. And it doesn't help with some of the the editing to this. But it was originally called Fool's Night and then later April Fool's. But because there was another film coming out called April Fool's Day, they decided to change the title. I will say, though, this is the far superior April Fool's movie of the two. (laughs) Gosh, I haven't seen April Fool's Day since I was like 16, so it's I It's pretty boring. I know there's a few listeners out there that'll get mad by me saying that, but I've given it several rewatches thinking that I'm just being harsh. on It's just kind of boring to me, but some people really like it. Okay. This one, though, for me, if I was to have to pick one, it would be this one. Okay. I feel like I would fall asleep if I watched the other one. I think you would. Yeah, I mean... I- Pretty much. I'm at that age in life where if there isn't something interesting happening immediately, I just pass out. I'm like, goodbye. Yeah. And I feel I feel like this one has so many weird moments that that's what keeps this interesting. And it's also after you've watched it and then you start thinking about what you just watched, it starts to become a little charming. Like, oh, yeah, I actually like that scene a lot. So let's talk about the beginning, though to killer party because you don't know what you're in for yes this is weird yeah so it begins with we're at a funeral for a woman named annabelle and i was like okay studiously taking my notes as i'm watching it's like a small funeral and it pans across the you know five or six people who are in attendance they leave and then the daughter of the dead woman is like i just let me run back inside and she goes to the casket and she leans over and it's like her mom's corpse and she says she hopes she rots in hell and then the corpse opens it up and grabs her and pulls her in 
in, like into the casket. Casket closes, lowers down, and is immediately sent into the incinerator. Yeah. yeah. And I was like, what? Yeah, it starts off strong, but then it only gets weirder from there. Yeah, and then we learn that's not the movie we're watching. It's a movie, but... We're at a drive-in where there's a young girl named April watching the movie that we were just watching. Yeah, it's pretty cool, actually. I, yeah, it's meta. Yeah, it is meta. It's, you know, eat your heart out, Wes Craven. This was <laughs> being done first. I, I do think that this was pretty cool. Um, a clever twist that that makes you kind of shift your perception and go, oh, okay, so that's the movie. It kind of reminds me of, you know, the, the story beho- behind Hard Rock Zombies Mm. is that originally Hard Rock Zombies was shot as B footage to play on the big screen of another movie. Mm-hmm. And then it ended up just being cut into its own film. So it's kind of like that. Like, it would have been fun to see this be its own movie as well. Yeah, I agree. So we're at this drive-in. She's watching the movie, but her boyfriend's trying to, like, bust a move. And her name is April. Just keep it in mind when you think about the original title. Uh, that was planned. Oh, yeah. I hadn't thought about that. Because she's playing us a fool. She goes to get popcorn because she's getting out of a maybe escalating sexual scene that she's not interested in. She's like, ah, popcorn, and goes to the the drive-in theater's popcorn place, which, by the way, so cool. Yeah, it is really cool. It's huge. It's cool. And it's deserted. And she's walking around. She's calling out. And she's like, last chance, or I'm just going to help myself. And she starts to get a big tub of popcorn, goes back to the car, and her boyfriend is now a zombie, and he attacks her. But... There's a bunch of zombies that come out. It's like, turns into thriller almost. Yeah. It then goes from being a movie to the movie that's on the big screen of the movie we're now watching to she's actually... All of this is a music video Yes, <laughs> by the metal band. Well, I'm going to use metal lightly by the hard rock band White Sister from the 80s. We're a legit band, but this is their music video that we're now watching. So you have to kind of let your brain adjust to this one, two, three motion. And this is just the opening of the film. Yeah, it's really cool. The song is a total jam. It's called April. You know what? We should play a little clip. Okay. You got your backs in against the wall. Now the chance on you. April, April, what do you think? April, It's cool. They have like the bands in there doing their thing and all that. And that's how the the movie starts. So it was worth noting because I don't know another film like this. I've this this stood out to me the first time I saw it. It It's like I've never seen a film open like this before. It's great. And then it transitions into our main movie because one of our main characters is watching the music video on TV as she's (laughs) starting her day. And at this point, I was like, Is this the whole movie? Please tell me this is the whole movie. How amazing would that be if it was an hour and a half of watching like one figure out into another? Ooh, that's kind of cool. I know. I'm an artist. Okay. Wow. (laughs) Brag much? Just a little. Yeah. So that is the way we get to the actual story. And then once we get to the normal film, it it slows down a lot. It's not like this crazy pacing and stuff like that. It calms down and it turns into your typical like campus slasher film, which 
for those of you out there um, interested in in our likes and dislikes and stuff, one of my favorite genres, you know, we talk about metal horror a lot and stuff like that, but Mm -hmm. I absolutely love campus killer films, you know, college slashers. I have an entire shelf that's all dedicated and all organized together of only school slasher films. Jiminy Cricket. I'm looking at it right now. That's crazy. Yeah. And (laughs) keep that in mind because I'm going to be doing something on my social media for uh, Rush Week, we'll say. Okay. Anyway, uh, so this is one of those that's one of the classics to see. And it, it falls into that immediate kind of trope of you're at a college, it's rush week, there's the sororities and the fraternities and stuff like that. So it makes you wonder, how are you going to offer something unique in a subgenre that's really heavily saturated? Mm -hmm. Do you think unique is the way to go? Or do you feel like people should just do like, a really solid version of what they're supposed to do, like that fits into that specific subgenre? I don't know. It's kind of a hit and miss and how it's pulled off. But for me, Personally, I think when it's just really, really well done and it's solid, even if it's filled with cliches, it's much more enjoyable watch instead of when they try and get really clever and do all kinds of weird twists and turns and then it just ends up being a hot mess. I think this one tries different things, but it also follows a pretty straightforward formula until until the end when the train goes fully off the rails and over the bridge into the river underneath. It's... (laughs) pretty pretty crazy but this one just sets the tone of getting to know our main cast at college you know trying to rush into their sororities and fraternities and stuff like that yeah and really the only main characters we need to know about are jennifer melanie and vivia they're like a trio of friends who are trying to get into a sorority so they are you know, riding bikes, they're going to college, talking about Rush Week, like this is the week. They call it Goat Week. Yeah, and it's a pretty cool dynamic. I like that they're all believable as friends, but they're all kind of different in their personalities a little. Mm -hmm. You know, they don't seem like they're forced together. You can kind of separate them from each other. Sometimes in these fraternity and sorority movies, everybody looks the exact same and it's hard to separate them, but... Yeah. But you get some personalities... Also, not only are they riding bikes, they really are having the best time of their lives. (laughs) (laughs) We have to stop and discuss one of the coolest songs to come out of a movie in a long time. It's good. It's a jam. It's a really, really good song. There is a song called These Are the Best Times of Our Lives. And it plays at this scene, kind of at the beginning, where Mm -hmm. they're... We're getting to know them. And then it also plays at the end, which is really well placed. But it is so incredibly catchy. It's this poppy, well, like a, not like the Bengals, like the Go-Go's kind of or something. Yeah, kind of. Bananarama or something like that. It's got that real classic style. Let's play a clip of it because it is just so incredibly catchy. This is our new home. We're finally So probably one of my favorite things about this film is that song. Yeah, it's great. It's also this week's fun fact. What? 
Okay, so I read, this is supposedly true, that it is all three lead actresses singing that song. What? <laughs> That's a lie. It's not a lie. They really are having the best times of their lives. I got a fun fact that I'm going to make up right now. Okay, hold on. All three ladies wrote and directed it. And starred in it. Whoa. <laughs> okay, that's not true at all. <laughs> okay. So your fun fact was not a fun fact. No, I just made it up. It was a fun lie. Yeah. <gasps> we should start doing a fun fact or not fun fact. Where people guess. <laughs> <laughs> we just say some total bullshit and people have to decide if it was actually a fact or not. Yes. Okay, we'll start doing that next okay. week. Fun fact or fun lie. I like it. Okay, anyway. I, I did want to say I looked into the cast of this movie, like hoping for some real gold, you know, somebody famous in an early role. Most of these people went on to do like weird sexy dramas in the 80s, so not especially noteworthy. Although uh, the woman who plays Melanie, her name is Elaine Wilkes, and she was in uh, 16 Candles, Who's That Girl in 21 Jump Street. Oh, okay. And Dallas. So I think she was like lower level big cheese in the, I mean, not like really, but she was finding her way in some big films. Oh. So not anymore. My favorite of the three was Vivia. She's the trickster of the bunch. Yeah. And she, you know, creates all these illusions and April Fool's pranks. And they're really fun to watch. I always love that within movies. Kind of reminds me a little bit of Summer School, which maybe we'll cover also at some mm. point. I was surprised to find she wasn't really in anything. She only had three credits, but one of them yeah. was Final Exam, another campus slasher, which I just got on tape, thanks to my friend Grizz. He sent it to me. So cool. yeah, I've been after that one for a long time. So thanks, Grizz. And I I just was kind of surprised because she is really good in this film. She's great. So, she's my know. favorite character. Yeah, she's mine too. I'm, I guess maybe just life got in the way or she changed directions, but I thought for sure she would have some long you know, filmography, and it just, this was it. No, I read on her trivia that she doesn't like horror movies. Oh, well, she only did two movies, and they were both horror. I know. Okay, well, that is weird. So this trio, they're on their way to school. They look at this house that they're going to be doing goat week in, and she's scared of it, and she's like, we shouldn't do it. Like, she has a bad sense of foreboding. Melanie is, like, the ringleader, and she's like, no, we're getting in a sorority, girls. And yeah. Vivia just seems like she's along for the ride. She's yeah. just a fun-loving gal. She's got, like, curly blonde hair, big round glasses, and she's super creative, so she just feels like she'd be one of our friends. Yeah, and and they're all doing this rush week. We get to see in the film some of the initiation sequences and stuff like that, which... Are there, most of them are pretty classic. There's a few weird ones in there. But we also get a little... This is, I think, what you were talking about earlier, where they add some comic relief. So the main sorority that the trio is trying to get into, they're at their sorority house, all nude in a hot tub in the backyard. <laughs> yeah. While the like headmistress or house mother, or whatever, is picking up stuff in the yard. It, it's unclear. But... Inside the house, like a guy comes to drop off champagne, but he takes the doorknob off of the door while he's doing it, sort of slyly, that goes to the back door. 
And then out of his delivery van run a bunch of fraternity guys with bees. Yes. And they drop bees over the fence and the naked sorority sisters are just running and screaming and they're filming it and laughing. It's um that's what we call so 80s. <laughs> it was painful though. It, they're like we should do something 80s. Yeah, it's definitely very like crammed in there as being classic 80s humor. I if you're into that kind of stuff, you know, the like raunchy sex humor stuff of the 80s which was like quintessential. Yeah. Then you'll enjoy these sequences. Otherwise, it's a little out of place. This is probably the only part of the whole film where I feel like it's it's a little lopsided because I feel it's like weird. This, the movie starts strong and it for sure ends strong, but there's a little bit of moments in the middle that feel forced. And so when I read that there were rewrites being done by the director, this is where I think that does come through. Yeah, and uh, the storyline's really just a big mess, quite frankly. Like we don't get yeah. to know any of these sorority girls or the frat boys. Goat Week is never explained beyond that there is some connection to the sorority that there are goats. I don't know why the sorority is in one nice house, but they're having their party at a different house. Yeah, well, and then there's these two running themes, which is there's like a killer on the loose, which we'll get to. But then there's also like the presence of a spirit, an evil spirit. Yeah. At the same time. Yeah. I think that's why I like this film so much is because it's just such a mess <laughs> that somehow it works. It's really enjoyable to watch. It's funny. This is also an appropriate time to say that it's a Canadian film. Oh, yeah. <laughs> I What did I hear? Or I, I read a term called, was it maple syrup slasher? What? Which was a resurgence in the slasher genre for films, incentives to come film in Toronto. And so they were filming up there and a bunch of films came out of there and it was they were all dubbed like maple syrup slashers or something like that, which I thought was pretty funny. Okay, All right. Well, so some of the initiations, yeah, are pretty cliche 80s, you know, nude women running around and the boys all like molesting them. And it's it's just all part of what it is from that time period. But there's a couple sequences that are pretty weird. The one that got you (laughs) was involved eggs do you remember this one what were they doing with the eggs so well there was one scene where they had to pretend to eat goat eyeballs but then there's this other one where they they, just drinking eggs no they lay on their back and then other sisters crack eggs over their mouths dropping yolk into their open mouths and then whoever catches the most yolk they have to spit it out into cups and compare to see who who got the most yolk in their mouth. And you were just gagging the whole entire time. It was... I don't know what was more disgusting. Me having to watch the scene. <laughs> or you gagging next to me while I was watching this scene. You know, I think I've had a revelation this summer. Uh, we're going to pause for a moment. I was at the Botanic Gardens with our children. And we went into the bugarium where there are all these bugs and there was a water beetle that carried its eggs on its back. They're just like these little slimy eggs on its back. I don't have a problem with gross stuff. Poop, vomit, blood. It's all fine. Eggs on the back. 
freaked me out. I was gagging looking at it. It was a really big beetle. And there was another mother there. And I was like, I'm sorry, I've got to walk away. (laughs) And I walked. And then I went to this area where there are roaches. And there was a, a I don't know. If you live in an area with roaches, sometimes you see them with a yellow. It's like a tube hanging out of its butt. And this young guy comes up to me. And he's like, you know what that is? (laughs) And I was like... (laughs) I don't want to. I'm, I'm recovering. And he's like, that's its eggs. And I was like, <laughs> no. And he said, what they do is they push them out, rotate it, suck it back in. And they do that again and again until they give what looks like live birth. <laughs> and I was like, huh, huh. <laughs> and I had to leave. I couldn't. I couldn't. And he was very proud of himself. <laughs> That's so good. apparently I have a problem with eggs. And I think it's because human women have the decency to keep their eggs away. Yeah. Everybody else should just follow suit. Yeah. That's it. Back to our back to our movie. <laughs> okay. So back to the scene of them spitting keeping, eggs into a cup. Keeping your eggs to yourself. Yeah. It, it You know, it was a pretty gross scene, though, honestly. It was. <laughs> It was. And then things get crazy there because they're doing all of this stuff and then it gets spooky and haunted and ends up with Vivia in a guillotine getting her head chopped off. And they're all like, ah, terrifying. And you think that like things are escalating and ghostly, but no, she's just a special effects wizard. And this is like her deal. Oh, it's such a great scene. I, I don't know. I just it makes the film really fun because yeah. it does seem it not i'm not going to say the film's slow but i will say it's not really going anywhere at the beginning mm. and if you're an impatient person with early 80s movies or mid 80s movies i could see you turning it off before it gets good and then this when the scene happens like okay now we're starting to pick it up and then you find out it's just a psych out mm-hmm. but i like that i like that instead of introducing something like a killer right away you get to draw it out a little bit longer and get to learn more about the characters and the situations and stuff like that. I don't know. I, I thought this all worked. We also meet a couple other characters. Somebody we should mention is Paul Bartell plays the professor. and Professor he's, Z. Yeah, and he's a returning uh, person to our podcast. We covered him in Get Crazy. He also had a little cameo in Chopping Mall, but most people know him from Eating Raul. He's been in a ton of stuff, but he's in this film, too. So it's always fun to see him pop up and and have a role. But, yeah, we just get to know a little bit more people. And then it's unclear if there's a haunting that's going to be happening in this film. Like, as the viewer, I guess. I don't know if you got this impression. As a viewer, I'm trying to decide what kind of film is this. Yeah. And, and it's setting it up to be like a supernatural film. Well, there are two things happening here that are confusing. And there's a reason you feel that way. One is we're having the house mother from the sorority. She goes into this weird, mysterious other house where something bad happened like 20 years ago. Somebody was beheaded in a guillotine in a prank. So we know that happened. And apparently he is buried in the yard, maybe. His name is Alan. And she talks to Alan and then goes inside the house to make sure it's okay for this party that's going to happen. And she is beaten to death with something that looks like a tire iron. Yeah, I think it's like a paddle, like a cricket paddle oh, or yeah, something. Because yeah. the girls are all walking around because they're starting to do the red herring after that. Right yeah. after that scene, the girls all have one in their bags or something. And that's when you realize this is like a killer movie, a slasher film. 
Well, kind of. So she <laughs> she talks to the ghost, and then we also see these feet. It's like baggy pants with some converse, but they keep, I call it in my notes, scratchy feet, because it's like a shot of their feet, and then one foot scratches the other over and over again in like four shots. <laughs> okay. Like, what's going on? Just get some athlete's foot powder. <laughs> Are you a ghost? Well, it. Uh, the other thing is this skips around in time a lot, too. Very unclear what's happening, yes. Because there's just, it's like all times of the year. It's rush week, which would happen in the fall when you join a sorority or a fraternity. But yeah. it appears only one sorority is rushing. I don't think that the guys are <laughs> or any other groups. And they also say it's April Fool's Day. Who's going to join a sorority at literally one month left of school? Did you just say April? You know, White Sister, considering that awesome song, yeah, were no strangers to soundtracks. Really? Yeah. What else were they in? They were in Fright Night, Thrashing, and Halloween 5. All right. So they had their finger on the pulse. Yeah, they're like Wasp, where they just had their songs in a million movies. Wise. Yeah. Anyway, okay. So the killer is there now. So mm-hmm. we are established that's not a prank. There really is somebody going around killing people. Okay. That's not that's not Vivia doing strange pranks. No. It might be scratchy feet. It might be somebody else. Very mysterious. We don't yeah. know. But basically where this film is headed is all getting to the main event, the the rush, the the party. Yeah. Which oh. is an April Fool's party. Yeah. And all three girls are accepted into the sorority, we should say. Yeah. So I guess why I'm confused is that Rush Week would be in the fall. Yeah. But we're at an April Fool's party now. And although it seems like only maybe a week has passed. It's. <laughs> okay. Yeah. I mean, I kind of like it. Whatever. It's fun. The April Fool's party is like a costume party, though. So it looks more like a Halloween party. Yeah. Which I'm not against, honestly. I mean, anytime there's an excuse for a costume party, I'm all for it. I just don't know why you would have a costume party on April Fool's Day. Is that a thing? Uh, I mean, have a, a dress-up party anytime you can, right? Yeah, well, that's what I'm saying. Like Any excuse. Why not? But we're looking at the costumes, and this is where we get to finally see the killer. What do you think of this killer's costume? Ooh, it's a good one. It's really cool. It's impractical. Oh, I'm it's gonna say that. So impractical. Very impractical. It's a diver suit, like an old timey one. It's awesome looking though. I would love one as decor in our house. It would scare me, but I would like it. I would too. I had a band um few years back at this kind of post post hardcore prog metal band that we had Almost like a mascot, the diver helmet. Do you remember that? Yeah. We'd use it on our t-shirts and merchandise and stuff. I think old diving helmets are super cool. They are. And this as a killer, yes, you could just tie his shoelaces together and he would never be able to get up. But it looks really cool walking around the party and stuff like that. So I do like this. I think the, the whole setup's cool. This is where... You know, we basically are getting towards the end because there's not a whole lot to talk about in the middle. No, a couple things. We should probably mention that there's a boy named Martin and he's sort of the red herring because he's got the same kind of 
pants that we've seen on the scratchy feet. So you think maybe he's the killer. So we are wondering, is Martin the bad guy? He's obsessed with Jennifer, but also um, it has a weird relationship with a fake head that Vivia had used in her guillotine prank. And I'm not quite sure what he was doing with it. And it kind of feels like it was part of the jokey situation. Yeah. And we also see Dr. Z again. He's the advisor for the sororities and fraternities. And he goes into the basement of this house and sees a guillotine and ends up as the first victim of that party night thing. Yeah. And this is where this kind of third act of the film is where it goes off the rails. Because we have two things that then happen pretty quickly out of a a pretty mellow paced film. And then it like once it turns the page... It gets crazy fast, mm-hmm. and this killer is established, and he's not just kind of slightly doing a killing here or there. It goes like full massacre at this party. Yeah. Meanwhile, Jennifer is being possessed by an evil spirit that's also in this house. We're having to follow these two storylines. Like We don't get to pick if we're watching the ending of a slasher film mm-hmm. or the ending of a demon possession film. We're watching both at the same time. There is this body count is surprising because Mm -hmm. all of a sudden you realize everybody in the party is dead. That would be upsetting. But you don't really see any of it. A lot of cutaways. Basically, you don't see any of it. Wait, I misspoke. I said Dr. Z was guillotined. He isn't. He's checking with electricity, the guillotine, like electronics. And he gets electrocuted in the ear. Yeah, that's right. That was cool. Sorry. I just felt like I should correct that. Yeah. Well, what's weird is... It's a little jarring when you're watching this film and all these bodies are now stacked up. And there's a reason for that. So this is the the side of Killer Party that we have to talk about, which is unfortunate because I do think the film's pretty cool overall. Mm-hmm. I like it a lot. I think it had the potential to be even better. And what it was really missing was a bit more gore and killing and stuff like that. Like, yeah. Um, more practical effects. I read that it did have all that. And oh, it that's got what's cut? crazy. It got severely cut by the Canadian censor board. Interesting. So all of it was there. All of and it was pretty graphic from what I read. Like it looks the aftermath looks like yeah, it was it graphic. Looks carnage. But there was things like you remember the trident kill? Yeah. That was there. Hands being cut off. All that was seen. There was like all the carnage and yeah. blood and everything was there and it all got cut out. Yeah, it's so weird. Yeah, what you're left with is just kind of like, oh, surprise, everybody's dead. We didn't really see any of it. No, instead they focus their energy on like the weird pervert boys are dressed as like toddler bee costume boys. Yeah, it's just... Martin is Madame Bovary. It's just... It's really weird, but I feel like it was a missed opportunity. And it bums me out because I would love to see an original cut of this film restored with all the gore and the kills and stuff in it, because I feel like that's what would really make this film kind of take it to that next level. And I it's agree. just a bummer how often that would happen, especially in the 80s. So it's not it's not one of these cases where that was the intention and then it got cut on the writing table. Mm-hmm. This was all filmed and finished and sent to print. And then the censors said, oh, we're worried that this is way too graphic. You got to cut all this oh. stuff out. And so... That's a real bummer, man, because like you said, based on the aftermath that we see, seems like there was some pretty cool effects that were done. Yeah. And we also see now that 
Alan's tombstone is broken. So we're back to the ghost again and not just a psycho killer. Yes. But now <sighs> so it's all over the place. But now you got to put the killer aside because we have the possession now. So Jennifer, it's been like toyed with throughout the film that maybe she's being called by the spirit or something. Mm -hmm. All that goes out the window and she is 100% just a demon now. Crawling around on the walls, yeah. slithering. She's got this long snake tongue. Her eyes are crazy. <laughs> I don't know a lot about this actress, but I commend her for fully committing to this role. She did. It is so much fun. I think this is my favorite thing about this film, uh, beyond the awesome soundtrack, is her end moments of just... Being a full-fledged, possessed yeah. demon is hilarious. But also, everything you love about 80s horror. I mean, what were your impressions, first time watch, seeing her doing all of this crawling around and stuff? Oh, it was great. Although, I was a little caught up in, like, what is... What have, what have they written here? What is <laughs> yeah. actually happening? What am I watching? Is she both the killer and the possessed? Are there two bad guys? What's happening? It was a little weird, and also I was a little caught up in the fact that we had missed almost all of the deaths, and there were just bodies everywhere. It was very confusing. So her performance really saved it at the end for me, because if she hadn't gone all in, I think I would say, like, 11 thumbs down to this movie. Yeah, it's it's kind of like the rest of the film is enjoyable, and it's got its moments, and it's fun. But this ending is what really makes this film stand out. It makes me want to rewatch it again because you go, oh, yeah, that ending is so crazy. Yeah. So it's it's a wild ride. Um, it's there are some fun scenes, like we said, of her crawling on the ceiling, uh, on the wall. Yeah, she's basically spends this end chasing the two friends. That's it, because everybody else is dead. But it lasts for a pretty long time. That's yeah. what I do enjoy, too. It's not quick. It, you get a good chunk of time. And it. This, to me, feels a little Night of the Demons. Yeah. You know, it's kind of got that same vibe where they're possessed and now taking over the party and killing everybody. Kind of has that same feel. So I would clump this in there with that. It might make a good double feature. Mm. I mean, obviously, Night of the Demons is, you know, top tier <laughs> compared to something like right. this. I do love this movie, but it's nowhere near as amazing as Night of the Demons. No, this is a hot mess, but it's fun. And what we have is Melanie... Um, is chasing her like she kind of goes into the fight mode so she fights back with Jennifer and Jennifer kind of is like I'm fine it's me it's me he's gone and pretends that apparently Alan the demon is gone yeah. <laughs> and then uh, nope surprise she's still possessed and so Melanie chops her in the heart yeah and becomes herself possessed and then the police arrive and there's rescue and Vivian and Melanie ride away in the same ambulance. But we know Melanie is possessed. Yeah, it could have been a killer party part two. Totally. Oh, that'd be fun. Mm, okay. Nah, probably doesn't need to happen. <laughs> nah. I don't know. I mean, like I said, the middle of the film, there's not a whole lot to talk about. But boy, the beginning and endings are, are stellar. And I would honestly rather have it this way. I think... You want a strong beginning because you want to be pulled in. Mm -hmm. 
I think a lot of films really go for it all in the center in the second act and then kind of fall apart in the third. Yeah. This one's the opposite where I feel like the center is a little bit, it drags a little bit, not too bad, but then it just comes back so ridiculously strong in the end that it's a, it's a good sign of a movie when it goes to credits and you're smiling and laughing and trying to figure out what you just watched. Yes. And this is one of those films. I agree. I think that's a pretty good assessment. You, I think we've been doing this long enough also that we can go, oh, I sense a lot of voices came into the room and cut this up and reformed it. And that's why it's a, so disjointed. It doesn't feel like one voice. Yeah, that would be, as we mentioned already, you know, my only real criticism would be that it, it does feel a little uneven at times so you Mm -hmm. can tell there are multiple people writing and then it's just such a bummer that it got cut so it did get a very quick theatrical release okay it made a total of nine hundred dollars whoa yeah so straight to video after that it got a beautiful key release that's the the vhs that i have Mm mm-hmm Let's talk about this, because if you have not seen this movie, you definitely have seen the cover. It is probably one of my favorite VHS covers. It's this beautiful, illustrated, painted cover of this skeleton with this woman kind of holding her. And it's like they're in prom dress and prom yeah. and a tuxedo. It is such an amazing cover. And it's in that classic key release case. I mean, this is I remember as a kid seeing this on the shelf. I had not seen the movie as a kid, mm-hmm. but it was one of the classic VHS horror covers from the 80s. So whoever did that, I tried to look up who did the artwork and I couldn't find it in time. But what a sweet job, man. This is there are some some covers in the golden era of horror film VHS covers. There's some that really are top tier. And I would say Killer Party is is one of the best out there. It's just such a great image. It pulls you in. It's fun. So it got the VHS release, and that's, of course, like everything we cover, where yeah. it found its market. And then it's got a lot of love over the years. It built its cult following, as mm-hmm. it should, and then eventually got a blue release by Shout Factory. Did they add the um, missing scenes? No. See, so that's the only bummer, is that it's gotten the Blu-ray release, but to date, it has not been restored. And I just would have to think... There's got to be the original negatives out there somewhere. Somebody's grandson. Somebody's has got a, a couple reels with the the original footage, and if it could ever be restored properly and put back together, I think this film would be pretty incredible. That would be fun. But regardless, that's not what we get. Uh, I still highly recommend this film. I think it's fun if you're into sorority slashers and you love stuff like demon possessions that get a little out of hand. This is a fun one. It's got fun fashion and 80s characters and great music. It doesn't really drag at all overall. I, I, it's, it's definitely a recommendation for Laser Graves, I would say. Mm-hmm. I also wanted to highlight one of my favorite phrases from this movie. What? Uh, one of them said to the other, think, think too long and you think wrong or something to that effect. Oh, yeah, that's right. I liked it. My favorite was um, at the end, the like the zinger at the end, April Fools, assholes. <laughs> <laughs> During Rush Week. It's pretty good. So that's Killer Party. Uh, definitely find a copy if you can and watch it. Or Treat if you've yourself. already seen it, you know, maybe rewatch it. I would say tis the season to start revisiting these school slashers as people start getting ready to go back to college. 
it's fun. I, I love everything about them. This was a fun one to do. I'm glad you, you picked it. Yeah, it was really fun. We've got a bunch sitting there on the shelf that we have not gotten to. So I think we'll do some more down the road of these slasher films from from the campuses. I think they're fun. Yeah, I agree. Okay, well, that is it for this week. Hope you enjoyed that one. Hope you track it down. If you like what you heard, you can follow us on Instagram at LaserGraves. You can check out all of our back episodes at LaserGraves.com. And I don't know what we'll be doing next week, but we just needed to scratch the itch of a classic 80s horror. Yeah, we did. And this was a fun one to do. So that's it for this week. We will see you again next week. Nope, two weeks. We will see you again in two weeks. (laughs) (laughs) Bye. Bye.